أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم صلى الله وسلم عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي يا رسول الله صلى الله وسلم عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا غريب يا مظلوم كربلاء يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز فوزا عظيما قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر. God states in the Holy Quran, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, by the declining day, truly humankind is in loss, except those who believe, perform righteous deeds, exhort one another to truth. And exhort one another to patience. Amanna billah. Sadaqallahu al-Aliyyul Azim. Let us begin by enlivening our hearts and minds with the salutations upon the Holy Prophet and his purified progeny. Sallu ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Throughout history, human beings have always been concerned with time. Time. Determining time has always been an important facet of human societies. We notice that the very first thing that we do when we wake up in the morning is what? We check the time. We look at the clock. We check the time on our phone. Sometimes it's the last thing that we do before we sleep, after Instagram, of course. We check the time. We're concerned with time we've developed theories about what time is how to understand time we've developed different mechanisms on how to measure time and intervals time intervals we know that time has value time has economic value they say time is money right we find that even when it comes to our work the standard for the evaluation of our work. We receive salaries. Our income is based on what? It's not necessarily based on how much effort you put in. It's based on how much time you put in. Because time is considered to be valuable. We find that time has social and personal value as well. Sometimes we organize our events and appointments around certain times. Some people, for instance, they organize their events around prayer time. 
and this is excellent prayer is important for them and so they'll make sure that whatever event they're planning it revolves around prayer time they might have a program before prayer or a program after prayer sometimes prayer distinguishes between what happens before a program and what happens after a program of course on the other hand there are some people who organize their time around food right we find that food is also important we organize our meetings and our gatherings around food food is important we make a big deal out of food sometimes we argue and we fight over food we argue about who's going to pay for the food right we find that a lot of time and effort is spent on food nowadays advertisements about food more advertisements about diets everywhere everywhere you look there's an advertisement about dieting right you know they say that the hardest part about dieting is not watching what you eat but watching what others eat huh so we manage our time because we know that time is valuable time has intrinsic value if you want to know the value of a year they say ask a student who failed that year they know the value of that year if you want to know the value of a month ask a mother who gave a premature birth the value of a month if you want to know the value of a second ask a survivor of an accident and they'll tell you the value of a second or a split second so time is valuable we all acknowledge and we all realize this and this is why our teachings they emphasize on the importance of maintaining time of understanding realizing the importance of time and of using our time wisely God says in the surah that I began with surah al-asr chapter number 103 in the Quran God swears by time there are several instances in the Quran where God swears by something the point is to highlight the importance of that thing that God uses to swear in this case he says now the exegetes of the Quran the interpreters of the Quran they have given various interpretations on what al-asr means al-asr could have several meanings one of the meanings that is most recognizable to us is the afternoon right we say our prayers are dhuhran asr asr is the afternoon it's the time when the sun is declining towards sunset another meaning according to many scholars of al-asr here in this context is all of time god here is swearing by all of time to show the importance of time. God says, Indeed, humanity is in loss. They are losing. Humanity is losing. And then what? And then God gives exceptions to this rule. Those who believe. Do righteous deed. They exhort, they encourage one another towards truth. And they exhort and encourage one another towards patience. So God here is trying to remind us of the importance of time. 
and our teachings they emphasize in hadith after hadith in verse after verse about ensuring that we take advantage of time that we don't waste time because time is irretrievable it's the only thing that is ir irretrievable once it's gone it's gone forever you can't bring it back it's gone you lose your money you go and work and you make money again sometimes you lose your health you become sick you go to the doctor and you regain your health sometimes you lose certain relationships and you form other relationships but if you lose time you never get it back it's gone this is why our teachings emphasize on taking care and managing our time in one famous hadith the holy prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam allahumma salli ala muhammad he says he describes our situation on the day of judgment he says لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل عن خمس each and every one of us will be held to account on the day of judgment and we will not be permitted to move forward until we ask are asked about five things we're going to be asked about five things all of us what are these five things number one he says عن عمره فيما أفناه we're going to be asked about our lives. How did you spend your life? How did you spend your life? And we have to answer. These are not just rhetorical questions. We have to have an answer. How did you spend your life? The time that you spent in this world, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 70, 100 years, how did you spend it? Did you live your life only as an individual? In individualistic terms, only taking care of yourself, your personal self? Or did you do something for society as well? Did you make a difference in the world? Did you make a difference in your community, in your society, in your family? Was this a good difference or God forbid, was it a bad difference? Because sometimes we say, I want to make a difference in the world. Everyone makes a difference. But is it a good difference or a bad difference? There are some people who come into this world and they make a bad difference. They make the world a worse place. A worse place. Yazid came into the world and he made the world a worse place. Tyrants come into the world, they make the world a worse place. There are others who come into the world and they make a positive difference in the world. They make a good change, a good difference in the world. I read a story once about a man who every morning early in the morning at sunrise he would go out and he would take a walk on the beach on the shore every morning it cleared his mind he would exercise he would breathe you know a breath of fresh air it says one day I was walking on my daily walk on the beach on the sand and I noticed something interesting I noticed that the ocean had washed ashore thousands, maybe hundreds or thousands of starfish. They had been washed onto the shore. You might have seen, you know, some pictures or maybe you in person sometimes for various reasons. Certain animals, fish, shrimp, whatever, other animals, sometimes even whales, sharks are washed onto the shore. 
So he saw thousands of starfish washed onto the shore. Now a starfish is a sea creature. It cannot survive outside of the water. It survives in the water. And the sun was coming out. So he says, I was walking along and I was looking at the site. From a distance, I saw a figure who was moving around. I couldn't really tell. Moving around. So I went closer and I saw a young woman. She had come out onto the shore and she was going down, lifting up the starfish and throwing them back into the water. One by one, just lifting them and throwing them back into the water. He says, I was kind of shocked. So I went up to her and I asked her, I said, what are you doing? She said, you know, these starfish, they can't survive outside and the sun is coming out. So I'm tossing them back into the water. He says, as I was talking to her, you know, she knelt down. She picked up a starfish. I told her, are you serious? Look at these starfish. There's probably thousands of them. What are you going to do? You're going to save all of them? You're going to throw all of them back into the, the ocean? What difference do you think you can make? She says, she looked at me. She took the starfish that it was in her hand. She threw it back in the water and she said, at least I made a difference in this starfish's life. Do we make, do we, when we come into this world, do we make a difference in this world? Do I make a difference? Is it a positive difference? I have to ask myself this question because I will be asked. So I have to have an answer. The Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Allahumma This was a tired salawat. Let us do another salawat. Sallu ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Allahumma The Prophet, he tells Imam Ali alayhi salam, Amirul Mu'mineen, he says, Ya Ali. He gives him advice. He tells him, Ya Ali, لَأَنْ يَهْدِيَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ يَدَيْكَ أَوْ لَأَنْ يَهْدِيَ اللَّهُ بِكَ رَجُلًا وَاحِدًا خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِمَّا طَلَعَتْ عَلَيْهِ الشَّمْسِ Listen to this hadith. He tells him, Oh Ali, if God through you, through you, guides one person. One person is brought to the path of truth, is guided through you as a means because guidance comes from whom? Guidance comes from God. It doesn't come from me and you. Guidance comes from God. But God sometimes uses means in order to guide people. The prophet tells him, if you are the means for one person's guidance, this is more valuable and greater for you than if you were to possess everything that the sun shines upon. What does the sun shine upon? It shines upon a lot of things. If you were to take the example, let's make this example a little bit more, you know, comprehensible for us. If you take the example of Pluto, Pluto, until a few years ago, was considered a planet. Then it got demoted, I think, right? If you take the example of Pluto, scientists tell us that Pluto is about 6 billion kilometers away from the sun. 
The distance between the sun and Pluto is six billion, almost six billion kilometers on average because the rotation is elliptical. Now, if you were to take a spacecraft, a space shuttle from the sun to Pluto, how long would it take? The average space shuttle, it goes at a speed of 40,000 kilometers per hour. If you go on a spaceship that goes 40,000 kilometers per hour from the sun to Pluto, that six billion kilometers, it will take you 23 years. 23 years to get from the sun to Pluto. That's a long time, right? A very long time. Now, scientists tell us that if you were to stand on Pluto, on the surface of Pluto, the sun would still be the biggest uh, star that you would see. Travel for 40,000 kilometers an hour for 23 years, stand on the face of Pluto, and the sun would still be the biggest star that you see. The Prophet tells Amir al-Mu'mineen, if one person is guided through you, you are the means for the guidance of one person, this is greater in value and reward to you than if you were to own everything that the sun shines upon. Have I made a difference in one person's life for the good? Brought them towards goodness? Changed their value system or their attitude to something that is good? I've guided them to the right path? So the first question that we are asked is about our lives. How did we spend our lives? The second question, وَعَنْ شَبَابِهِ فِيمَا And about your youth, your, your young age. How did you spend your young age? Look, there's a question. The first question is about your entire life. The second question is about a specific time in your life. And that is your young age, your youth. Why? Because this is a very important time in our lives. It is a time that we have energy. It is a time that we, we are inspired to do, to act. It's a time in which we have to build ourselves. It's a time of building. We find that a lot of people when they're young, they have passion, they have drive, they want to do things, they have a big imagination, and slowly with age, it begins to fade, huh? Ask those who are more seasoned, we won't say older, we'll say more seasoned in life. They'll tell you that we lose that energy. You lose much of that energy. You lose much of that drive. You lose much of the opportunities that you had when you were younger. So we have to ask ourselves during this time, how do we spend our youth? How? Do we use it in a way that is beneficial? Or God forbid, are we wasting our young age, our youthful age? We're reminded to take advantage of this time. This is the time in which we build ourselves. This is the time which we work on building our foundation, a strong foundation. It's when you are young. 
It's when you are youth. If this time is wasted, if it's ignored, if it's not given its concern, then you build your life on a shaky foundation. And you don't want a shaky foundation. I remember once reading an interview with Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was the former coach of Florida State University, their, ba their uh, uh, football team. Florida State University, he was the former coach of the football team. But before he went into coaching college football, in his youth, in his early career, he used to play baseball. Bobby Bowden used to play baseball himself, professional baseball. And in the interview, he talks about his very first experience going out onto the baseball field. He says, I was, you know, I was inspired, I was pumped, I was energetic. It's my first time going out onto the field and the whole stadium was packed with people. They were all watching. He says, I went out as a batter to bat. I know baseball isn't a big sport in Canada, but bear with me, please. He says, I went out to bat and I was standing there. He says, the pitcher threw the ball and I hit the ball with all of my strength and I was filled with energy. He says, I hit it and it flew and it started going out towards the end of the park. He says, I threw my bat and I began to run as fast as I could. I ran around all bases until I arrived to home base. He says, when I arrived to home base, the umpire struck me out. Why? I hit the ball, it went out. I ran across. Why did I strike out? The umpire told him that you missed first base. You missed first base. He says, in my excitement, as I was so excited, I was running as fast as I could, I did not step on first base. I passed first base, and I went to second, third, and I came back home run. And so what? So the home run didn't count, and he struck out. Brothers and sisters, especially my younger brothers and sisters, I say this to you as a brother. Don't miss your first base. Your first base is your youth. It's your young age. Don't waste it. Be mindful of this time that you have been given because it quickly goes away. Quickly goes away. Even those of you who are in your teens and 20s and 30s, you'll notice how quickly the, the years, they run away. Let alone those who are later in their lives. If you ask those who are later, your parents, grandparents, elders in the community, they'll tell you 50, 60 years, it's as though it was yesterday. What is 50, 60 years? It flies by. You might remember yourself. You know, you might be in your teens or your 20s and you remember 10 or 15 years ago, or you might have photos that you look at, right? And it feels like just yesterday. Feels like just yesterday. Don't waste your youth, brothers and sisters. This is a time that you should spend on building yourselves. Build yourselves. Your friends will remain. Social media will remain, I promise. Entertainment will remain. 
food, pleasure, traveling, everything will remain. What will not remain is your time. Is your time. Don't waste your time. Do something productive. Be productive in your youth. Especially when it comes to learning. Especially when it comes to developing your spiritual self, your connection with God. This is when, this is the time that whatever we build will help us in the future. It's foundational. Spend that time. Build yourself. Be productive. This is the second question that we'll be asked about. The third question, what is it? God will ask us about our wealth. Our wealth. Mal is wealth. Where did it come from? Where is the origin of your wealth? God will ask us about that. You made a certain amount of money in this life. Where did you get it from? Where did the money come from? Oftentimes, we think of money and wealth as a blessing, right? Everyone says, you know, it's a blessing. It's common perception of wealth that wealth is a blessing. But when we look at wealth from an Islamic perspective, we find that it's not always a blessing. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it's a test. God sometimes tests us with what he takes away, and sometimes he tests us with what he gives. Because there's accountability. There's Q&A. God's going to ask me, where did you get your money from? And I have to have an answer. Did I get my income and my wealth from legitimate or God forbid illegitimate means? Sometimes in our pursuit of making income, we might cut some corners here and there. huh? We want to make a quick buck. We want to make a quick deal. So we may not be fully honest sometimes. We might not do the right thing sometimes. We cut corners. Why? Because this is a really good deal. I'm going to make a lot of money out of this deal. I just have to keep some things, you know, not exposed. I just have to deceive one person, give a small white lie. It's, a white, it's white. You know, there's nothing wrong with white lies, right? And so we may cut corners in order to make a quick buck. Is my income, does it come from halal sources or God forbid, does it come from haram sources? Is it mixed with the haram? I have to ask myself this question. Because if I don't ask myself this question and I don't have an answer, I will be asked this question by God. Where does it come from? And halal consumption, halal income is not just my food. It's not just my food. Some people, they focus only on the food. They say as long as what I put in my mouth is halal, that's fine. No. What are you bringing the income that you are buying your possessions with? You are buying your home with, you're buying your vehicle with, you're giving to your children, you're buying accessories, you're giving to others. Where does that come from? Is it legitimate or not? This is number three. The fourth question that we are asked, Wafima and Fakahu. The fourth question also pertains to our wealth. The third question was about where did the wealth come from? 
The fourth question is about how did you spend this wealth? It's not just where did it come from. How did you spend your money? Did you spend it only on yourself? Or did you realize that you had responsibilities towards others around you? And you made sure that you observed and you fulfilled those responsibilities. We are not free to spend our money however we wish. This is false. This is a fallacy, brothers and sisters. Because there is responsibility. There is accountability. God will ask me, how did you spend your money? God tells me that that risk, that sustenance that I give you, part of it is not yours. It belongs to others. It belongs to the deprived. It belongs to those charitable organizations and other organizations that are doing good and doing well and promoting social building and social harmony. So we have to ask ourselves, how are we spending our wealth as well? Am I investing for the hereafter or is it just purely investments for this life? Am I building for the hereafter? We spoke about investing in the hereafter during the previous nights. Spend that wealth that God has given you, not just to take care of yourself here, that's okay, but also to build your future, to build your hereafter. Leave a legacy behind. This is number four and the final question that we are asked about. The Prophet says, وَمَاذَا عَمِلَ فِيمَا alim." What did you do with the knowledge that you acquired? What did you do about it? You learned something. What did you do? Did you keep it to yourself? Did you ignore it? Did you use it in order to benefit yourselves and others in society? What did you do with the knowledge that you acquired? Time is precious, brothers and sisters. We all know this. It quickly goes. The Quran gives the example about those who are resurrected on the day of judgment. When we are resurrected and we are asked or we ask one, our, one another, how long were we dead for? God says, We'll be asked, how long did you live for? in this life how many years and the answer will come they will say we lived for one day or part of the day doesn't it seem like that 20 30 40 years just feels like a day a week a month we have to take advantage this is precious God has given us time and it is irretrievable it never comes back how am I spending my time? What am I doing? How am I building my future? It's important for us to ask ourselves this question and to have answers for these questions before we have to stand before our Lord and answer these questions. Take advantage of the time that you have, brothers and sisters. Take advantage of this time. This is the lesson that we learn from the Ahlul Bayt In another version of this hadith that I mentioned, the hadith says, we are also asked about one final thing, and that is what? And we will be asked about the Ahlul Bayt We'll be asked about the Ahlul Bayt. 
What did the Ahlul Bayt mean to you? Did you do anything for the Ahlul Bayt in your life? Everyone will be asked this question. What will our answer be? Alhamdulillah, many of us we will answer, we will say that yes, the Ahlul Bayt alayhim as-salam, they were always there in our hearts. The Ahlul Bayt were part of our daily lives. We remember them. We love them. We are devoted to them. We contributed to their cause. We expressed our love. We learned from them. We implemented their teachings. But there will be some people on that day. What will their answer be? What will the answer be of those who stood up against the Ahlul Bayt alayhim as-salam? What will their answer be, huh? What will they tell Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi? Ya Rasulullah, after you were gone, how did we deal with your family? What will they tell Amir al-Mu'mineen Aliyan alayhi salam What will they tell Fatima al-Zahra alayhi salam With which face will they stand before Fatima al-Zahra? Those who stood against her son Aba Abdullah al-Hussein. Those who gathered in order to wage war and to kill Aba Abdullah al-Hussein. What will their answer be on the Day of Judgment? What will their answer be when they are asked, why did you deny the family of the Prophet water? What will their answer be when they are asked, why did you terrorize the women and the children? This was this the situation, was the situation of, the of the Ahlul Bayt. After all of their men had been killed, the only man among them, the surviving man, was Ali ibn al-Husayn Zaynul Abidin And he was ill, he was sick, but he along with the woman and the children, we know that they were taken captive by Umar ibn Sa'd's army. They did not have mercy upon them. For the women and the children, this was the second part of their tragedies. The first was when on the day of Ashura, they saw one by one, each one of their men, their fathers, their uncles, their siblings, their cousins, their children being slaughtered in front of their eyes. But the second part of the tragedy was when they were taken captives in such a humiliating fashion and they were taken onwards on to Kufa first they were taken from Karbala all the way to Kufa and they were taken before Ubaidillah ibn Ziyad the cruel governor of Kufa and we are not we know what happened to them in the court of Ubaidillah ibn Ziyad Al-Imam Sayyidul Abideen he stands courageously as Sayyidah Zainab she stands courageously and they defend the household of the Prophet they defend Imam Hussein and his family and his companions and they are then they are sent off from Kufa all the way to Syria to Asham 
where they will meet Yazid ibn Muawiyah himself. And that was a very difficult journey. Very long and arduous journey. The tradition says that when they arrived to Syria, the whole community was in a state of celebration. Can you imagine? They are celebrating in the streets the killing of Imam Hussein and his family and his companions. They are celebrating the arrival of the women and the children who did not have any protectors who were chained and taken as captives. The tradition says that the women and the children, they were placed in a dark place in Syria, in captivity. I just, I just want, want to bring, bring to your, your attention, attention one scene, one just one scene tonight. And that, and that is, is the is memory of the daughter of Aba Abdullah al Hussein. Ruqayya, the tradition says she was only three years old. Ruqayya, the beloved daughter of Aba Abdullah. You can imagine Imam Hussein with his compassion, with his love, with his mercy. How he would spend time with Ruqayya, huh? For those, For those fathers, fathers out there who have daughters, may Allah protect all of your children. You know that daughters, it's a different flavor with daughters, huh? You have a daughter and this daughter expresses unconditional love to you. Imam Hussein plays with his daughter Ruqayya. Ruqayya is attached to her father, Aba Abdin. But her, her father, father is violently taken, taken away from her. We are we told are that during those moments in Asham and on the way to Asham, Ruqayya would often cry and weep and she would call out, Abatab, my father, where are you? She would ask her aunt Zainab, she would ask those around her, where is my father? Where is Baba Hussein? Where is my father? Tell me. She would she weep and she would she cry. cry. Sometimes, Sometimes they, they would try, try to comfort her. They would tell her, dear Ruqayya, your father is traveling. You will meet with him once again. She would say, where did he go? Why did he not take me with him? I am his beloved daughter. I am his Ruqayya. She would often weep and cry. She kept crying and crying over her father until the news arrived to Yazid. He asked, tell me what's going on? What is this noise? What's happening? They told them the daughter of Aba Abdullah al-Hussein, Ruqayya, three years old. She keeps crying over her father. She wants her father. They said, he said to them, then I order you to give her her father, huh? Give her, let her meet her father. Send the head of Aba Abdullah to her, let her see it. The tradition says that the head of Aba Abdullah al-Hussein was covered with a cloth. It was placed in a dish and it was brought forth to the family of Imam Hussein. It was placed before Ruqayya. The soldiers, they brought it, they placed it before Ruqayya. She asked this tiny girl. She asked them, she told them, what is this that you have brought for? They said, this is your father. You want your father? This is your father. Ruqayya, she removes the cloth. She said, she sees the bloodied head of her father, She looks at him, she says, who is this? They say, this is your father, Abba Abdullah. 
She throws her tiny self on him. She begins to weep and cry. She calls out, oh my father, who is the one that did this to you? Who was the one that beheaded you? Who was the one that stained your head with blood? Who was the one that made me an orphan? The tradition says then Ruqayya with her tiny hands. She threw herself on the head of Abba Abdullah Hussein. She continued to weep and weep and cry until she fainted. Suddenly she stopped crying. Al-Imam Zainul Abidin, he turns to his aunt Zainab. He tells her, my dear aunt Zainab, go towards my sister Ruqayya. Check on my sister Ruqayya. I don't think she's okay. Zayda Zainab goes. She lifts Ruqayya from the head of Abba Abdullah. And she notices that Ruqayya had passed away from her grief. Allahu Akbar. Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'oon Wa sayalamu alladhina zalamu ayya munqalabin yanqalibun Wa al-aqibatu lil-muttaqin Sallallahu wa sallam alayka ya sayyidi wa ya mawlaya ya aba abdillah صلى الله وسلم عليك وعلى الأرواح التي حلت بفنائك عليكم مني جميعا سلام الله أبدا ما بقيت وبقي الليل والنهار ولا جعله الله آخر العهد مني لزيارتكم أوتكذا السلام على الحسين وعلى علي بن الحسين وعلى أولاد الحسين وعلى أصحاب الحسين جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته and for the souls of all of the مؤمنين المؤمنات who have passed away and the شهداء let us recite سورة الفاتحة مع الصلاة على محمد وآل محمد.